0: Welcome to Under the Radar, a show about independent iOS app development. I'm Marco Arment.
1: And I'm David Smith. Under the Radar is usually not longer than 30 minutes, so let's get started.
0: So Dave, you and I are both uh, much more in public this past week <laughs> than, than we usually are, even for podcasters, which is saying a lot.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, and, and usually I would say we're relatively quiet, uh, it's like which is a, a, a couple of quiet independent engineers, just you know heads down in our desk by ourselves doing our work, and it, uh, not so much this last week.
0: Yeah, so so you have been doing this um, design notes diary series of blog posts on your site, uh, and it's all about all the different design decisions that you are facing and trying, and different experiments you are doing uh, with Pedometer plus plus, and that's really cool. Um, and then I've been uh, I've I just released my new uh, database layer as open source, and again. Disclaimer here, nobody should use this yet. It's super, super early, and it might change in very large ways, so don't build anything against this yet. But anyway, so I just released my open source thing called Blackbird, uh, which is basically my take on a SQLite layer for Swift. Um, and so we've both been kind of in public in ways that we normally aren't, uh, you know, both as just, you know, people in general usually aren't this public about their work. And then I think it's also a layer here that, like, you and I work alone, and most people never see these processes like most people never see the code we write and most people don't see the design iterations we go through while we're building things and then the different considerations and and experiments we do and and you know how we get how we how we how we arrive at the final setup or the final features or the final designs like almost all of this work is usually behind the scenes and only exists in our heads and our computers and so I think it's really interesting that, like, you know, we've both coincidentally at the same time, you know, both, you know, gone public with with parts of our work that are are usually private when you're an independent developer.
1: Yeah, yeah. And it's, and I don't know exactly why. I'm sure it's not a pure coincidence, but there's definitely something to why we both started doing it. But it's like, for me, it's been really interesting to, yeah, it. There is something different when you're making something with an expectation that someone else will look at it. Um, just fundamentally. And I, I you know, you, it's the kind of way that, you know, if you have a boss or uh, a coworker or someone and you, you know, you expect someone else is going to look at something. Or even, I mean, it's like the way you tidy up your house before guests come over. Right? Oh yeah, <laughs> like, there is it's like there there is that you just behave differently if you expect that someone else is going to see what it is that you're you're doing, what you're working on, whatever that is. And uh, like for me, and for what I, I started design notes, I was this interesting thought of like part of it got started with all of the drama that I have no interest in getting into on the show, but about Twitter and where that's going, and a lot of the community that I have there, and the you know sort of the the it's, you know, for the last 13 years, it's been essentially my like office, you know, my office workplace that that's where I would interact with, talk to and, uh, you know, sort of be with my coworkers for lack of a better word, even though they're not really my coworkers in a traditional sense. Um, and then when then that, that all started feeling like it was going away or who knows what the uncertainty there made me really start to think like, what is this do, you know, what value, what purpose is this? community doing to me and there's certainly a part of it that is the human connection part of that that is you know helpful and interesting and sort of you know somewhat like somewhat unreplaceable like you can't just pretend I can't can't, you know create a person and pretend you know it's like and actually pretend that they're real but I was realizing that a lot of the benefit I get from posting things on Twitter or talking about things is there is something in capturing something writing it down, condensing notions, ideas, things that I have, you know, in the case of Twitter, is was like turning that I, you know, a vague idea into a hundred and into two 280 characters that clarifies and crystallizes and improves that idea for myself. And especially both because someone else is going to see it. So I have, you know, there's a certain amount of, oh, I guess it's ego or whatever of like, it goes into that and making sure that it's a good, thoughtful, you know, sort of clearly thought through idea. Um, and then, you know, some of it is just through that, that process. And it was just interesting. I was like, you know, I think I'd be really curious to see if I could get a lot of that same value by writing down what it is I'm doing during the day. Like it doesn't take that much extra time because I'm doing it anyway. I'm not sitting down to write a blog post. I'm just happening to take notes essentially while I work and doing it in a, in a structured way. And, you know, I'm about a week into it and it's been really interesting to do this. With the expectation that, I, like the the, re, the only reason I publish it is because if I don't publish it, then I don't have that external accountability and slight pressure. But it's not really for an audience. Like if people read these, that's great. Like sure, I hope for it's you, maybe it's useful, maybe it's interesting. I have no idea. But my own value I get from making it public by making it per you know something that. I put put into it. It's been really interesting because I'm thinking through design ideas and having a record of them as I go, and so far it's been really cool. And it's just you know, it's just, who knows It's experimental, but it's been it's, it's a you know, it reminds me of the concept of like rubber duck debu- debugging, where you know you have put a rubber duck on your desk and you explain the problem you're having when you're debugging something to the rubber duck, and in the process of having <laughs> to explain it you it's a real thing it's like a whole wikipedia page and everything i've never heard of this (laughs) there's a wikipedia page and everything for this rubber duck debugging but it's the concept that i think it was from like one of the old like pragmatic programmers books but anyway it's that concept that if you have to explain something you will very often find issues with it or problems with it that are hard to capture if you're just looking at the problem and you know, just sort of going through it in kind of that more direct way, it's because you have to come at it from another direction. Um, and, you know, it's essentially I'm rubber duck, de- rubber duck debugging my design process by talking through all the things that I'm doing and why I'm doing them. And then, you know, I come back and look at it like, huh, that's interesting. And I'm you know, it, it, it's just, yeah, it's been a very interesting process of turning, you know, trying to engage a different part of my brain that an indie usually doesn't get to because I just am quietly in my room doing my work. And I feel like it's been so far, it's been interesting to see the things that I'm missing out uh, as a result.
0: That's really interesting. Yeah, I mean, because, you know, obviously, you know, I think one way to, to, you know, broaden the rubber duck idea is like, you know, you, I've always heard that um, one of the best ways to make sure you understand something is try to teach it to somebody else. Um, because teaching really requires you to to know way more of of something than than you might initially think if you haven't tried it Um, and and if there's any like gaps or hand waviness about your knowledge that usually comes up if you try to teach someone else especially if they start asking questions you're like uh i actually don't know why we do it that way or or whatever or i'm not sure why it works that way um so yeah so but i think overall like you know, one of the biggest challenges of indie development is that you don't have that water cooler. You don't have that, you know, the the lunch with your coworkers where you can casually discuss things. And you don't usually have people working on your code with you or looking at your code. And so it can be, you know, not only is it like, you know, kind of personally... A, a difficult thing. Sometimes you can of just feel alone, which that's that's its own issue right there, and, and that's a, that's a major issue. Um, and you, usually, you know, you have to have some kind of outlet for that, whether that's you know online social network stuff or you know private private uh, chat groups um, or different like you know local groups of you know whether it's a co working space or you know some kind of you know local developers you know group kind of thing. Like that, you know, some cities have that kind of stuff. Um, you know, so that that can solve a lot of the social angle, um, but you know, a lot of the the like coding angle, or like looking at your code, or or having other people you know evaluated, or suggested, or point out you know ways you could do things better. That's something that's really hard to get as an indie in general, um, and. There's a lot of value when you work in a in a group, you know, on a team or in a big company. There's a lot of value in some of the like, you know, overhead that comes with that. Whether whether it's like code review or, you know, other people performing QA on your code for you or like, you know, test processes, different strategies, you know, pair programming, there's all sorts of ways where basically other people can can have input and and can perform QA in some way on your code. Uh, and vice versa and you can see their code and you can learn from other people's code and in the indie world that's you know your only options for that in in the indie world usually are um open source uh, or or I don't I guess there's there may, maybe there's other stuff I'm not thinking of but like that's for the most part you get a lot of that from open source and the value of open source stuff is you know, partially that if you need to do something real quick and you can find a library to do it, well, there you have an option to do it. Um, that's that's probably most of the value. But but to me, a, a huge part of the value in open source is seeing how other people solve similar problems that I face, because that's that's what I don't have by not working on a team. I don't I can't look at other people's code and say, oh, that's a good idea. I should be doing things that way. Or wow, that that I never would have thought about that that technique or that pattern. Um, and or or even like wow I didn't even know about that API existing <laughs> you know there's a lot of that yeah. when I see other people's code um, and so I I don't usually get a lot of that um, and so for me you know my my development as much as I love it it does feel very lonely uh, and and I love a lot about that but but that is a factor that that you know it's hard to get past that sometimes where you know you feel like well here I am, I'm facing this problem, and I'm totally alone in it. And, and like, if I can't figure it out, it's just not going to get solved. Um, or I'm going to try it my, my one way, and that's going to be how it goes because no one's going to see it and no one's going to tell me otherwise. And so I hope I'm doing this a good way that will work and doesn't have any massive pitfalls I'm not aware of. Um, but so with open source stuff, it, it that's kind of flipped on its head. and And part of the reason why... Uh, I wanted to do Blackbird uh, as open source, is in part because it's replacing FC Model, which is my really old Objective C version of the same kind of idea. You know, a SQLite model layer, um, and and yeah, and I'm fully aware there's lots of things that do this. You don't like that's what like I don't need to write my own libraries. Like there's lots of libraries that do the same thing. I like writing my own libraries um, because then I know how everything works, and it makes me a better programmer. Um, so. And, and I can customize them to be, like, exactly what I need and, and prioritize exactly what I want to prioritize. Um, but anyway, so FC model was open source, and it never had that many users. I mean, I think I, I would be surprised if there's more than 10 apps that ever shipped that used FC model. <laughs> like, it, it's, it's sure. a very small number of users. However, that small number of users that it had was actually valuable to me because i actually did get a couple of nice bug fix uh contributions um and and like you know little little enhancement requests from people over the years and it, and it, again it's a very small number May, you know maybe probably fewer than 10 total of even you know any kind of contribution or, or bug report but those were valuable to me and so i wanted to do the same thing with blackbird um in part to you know to get the value to me uh and in part to try to help other people to say like, okay look. I don't. I don't know if this is going to be helpful to people. I don't know if I'm doing anything in a novel way. I didn't actually look at most of the other Swift or um, um, SQLite uh, Swift wrappers. I didn't really look at them. I, I looked at. A, I looked at a couple to find out, like, oh, how do you do, like, you know, codable compliance and stuff like that. That's about it. The rest of it, I kind of did did it on my own with my knowledge of SQLite um, and trying to do things. All the you know the modern Swift async uh, uh, and sendable and codable and and uh, actor based everything. You know everything super modern. Um, and, and part of that was to teach me how to use all that modern stuff. Like with this, I have taught myself so many new either APIs or techniques or tools. I, this is the first time I've ever used a Swift package. This is the first time I've ever used Doc C and all the built-in documentation features. First time I've ever used any kind of Swift unit testing. <laughs> the only other unit tests I ever did were for FC Model back forever ago in Objective C. Um, first time I've used Actors, first time I've used Sendable, like there's and first time I've built a Swift UI property wrapper. Like there's so much here that this was my first time ever using. And it forced me to learn a lot about all these different tools and and APIs and techniques. And I'm still in my early days with all this stuff, obviously. I just started using them. You know, I'm still still a noob. Uh, but I'm really happy I was forced to do this. And, and a lot of that work I would not have been forced to do if I was just writing it for myself in private and didn't open source it. Like I probably would never have written the documentation. I wouldn't have nearly as many unit tests. I wouldn't have a, already, like our, our friend Guy English already contributed a, a performance counter thing using OS log and, and that whole system. So that you can see like cool graphs and instruments about about query performance and stuff like i i i didn't even i i've never used o s log I would never have known how to do that and I, I and i would never have thought to do that um and so and then someone else pointed out the um, you know the new sendable uh, warnings and how to enable those all, all the Swift concurrency warnings and so I enabled those and built it and got my eighty eight warnings and then slowly yesterday worked through them all and and slowly made it more sendable uh, compatible for future con- concurrency stuff and that's going to save me time in the future when all that stuff becomes more prominent in the language and so and not to mention the fact that it might save me from some concurrency bugs which are really hard to usually track down so all of that I would I would not have polished it to that level i would not have documented it i would not have tested it to that level like all of that happened because i was doing it in public because i had an audience looking at me and even if that audience is going to be 10 people ever like that's still that's still an audience and because of that as you were saying when you know someone is watching you do things differently Um, and not have any kind of sinister thing just you you know you, you hold yourself to a higher standard when other people are watching and so i'm totally doing that here and i'm not too interested in doing that with a lot of code i write but something like this where it's a small isolated unit of my code of my apps um, it it is more broadly applicable than most of what i write like this, this could be useful to other people whereas most of what i write is not going to be useful to other people except my app um, and it's it, it's so important it's so foundational that i really want to make sure I'm, I'm holding myself to the highest standards with this particular package because if this has any bugs in it then uh, the, the whole app is going is going be on shaky ground. So I, I'm really happy with, with having done this um, and I think it really has um, quite a lot of benefit. We are brought to you this episode by SetApp. There's an app for everything these days. Some are great, others not so much. So how do you quickly find the right app for you? SetApp is a great way to discover apps for every professional with a Mac and iPhone. It has 240 plus apps all available with a single subscription. From coding to design to everyday chores, such as decluttering your menu bar or cleaning up your storage, SetApp has top-tier software to keep at hand. Now imagine what you could do with 240 high-quality apps all packed into one subscription. Whether you need to develop, design, or create, there's an app for almost any task. You don't need to look in tons of places to find what you need. With SetApp, you can think about your tasks you have to do, not your apps. SetApp has a dedicated curation team that only selects the highest quality apps. New apps are added regularly. Updates are always free. And all of the apps are their full-featured pro versions. No, like, little trial thing. No limited stuff. All these are full-featured pro versions of their apps. And this is a great value. Instead of paying the equivalent in licenses, which would be like $8,000, there's just one flat monthly fee of $9.99. So until December thirty first, hurry up. Use code under radar to get a month of a free trial. Head over to setapp.com and look for a link to redeem the code in the footer. And that code once again is under radar. So go to setapp s e t a p dot com. Use code under radar. Our thanks to setapp for their support of this show and all of Relay FM.
1: Yeah, so it's really interesting to hear you talking through that process of like the benefits and the things that you see when you open source something as someone who i don't believe i have ever open sourced really anything of of substance or meaning like there's maybe a few like snippets and things that i've published over the years but nothing particularly meaningful and it's i think that there definitely is a part of it for me that i don't feel it's funny way to say it. like i mean i don't feel proud of the way that i code in a way that i like would you know like i would I don't know if I could tidy up my living room enough from a coding <laughs> perspective before I would feel comfortable to have someone come in and sit down. Like, it's a bit of a mess. It's a bit of like 13 years of independence of having to not having to, you know, worry about other people that it only has to make sense to me. And of course, it makes sense to me because I'm the one who wrote it. Um, which. It's probably not a great thing. It's probably not the best way to, to you know, to, to write things. But on the, the flip side, it also is super efficient and works for me because it's, you know, it's it's a very highly tuned process uh, for me and for my development. But it probably makes me largely unemployable because if I ever went and like had to write code for, you know, as part of a team or something, like I don't even know, like that seems, sounds like a disaster. But it is really interesting to hear you describe it, and it's like I've, been, I mean, I've been, you know, sort of browsing around in blackbird and it's interesting because like a lot of the stuff is like i don't know how this works like i'm looking at this and i would say that i'm a relatively competent swift developer like you know i do this professionally been doing this for a long time and i'm looking at like i don't know what you're doing here like there are all <laughs> kinds of keywords and all kinds of stuff it's like this is way over my pay grade like i don't know what's going on and like that's cool i mean like, in
0: all fairness that could be my fault as well <laughs> For doing something in a convoluted and underdocumented way,
1: (laughs) maybe. But it's also just—it's the—it's you know—it's that's in some ways like for me as someone who's just reading this code, it's very cool to see and be like, "Huh, that's really interesting." Like I didn't know. I mean, I get. A tremendous amount of value from the hacking with swift series that paul hudson hudson does where he like just like builds stuff and it isn't necessarily that what he's building is something that i'm i mean sometimes it's something that i will like use more directly in specifically but it's just like looking at someone else's process and often you'll run into these very small details or things that they're like oh yeah, that's actually a really clever way to do it. Like, I remember when I was, especially with early days with Swift UI where there was very little limited documentation and it was everything was new. And it's like, he would show me how to do, he would just sort of show, oh, you know, if you, what if you want to have a view that you pass into a method to, like, be generated somewhere else or to be reused or things? And it's like, I had no idea how to do it. It was just, like, getting into generics and stuff that, like, hurts my brain. And I, I mean, anything with generics I can't deal with like generics is one of those subjects that just never works for me. But it's like the way he explained it, it worked. And I I look in some of your code and I'm like, huh, like I can kind of see where this, you know, the async await stuff is coming and it's just useful. And it's like, it's useful for me in that sense. But it's like the funny thing is I think the bigger value. It's like you get the value of writing it for an audience regardless of whether there's an audience. Like there is some value for me, but that's almost like the secondary like side benefit that even if that didn't exist, like if zero people ever looked at this code, the value you've gotten from it is still there, which is just kind of cool. That's true. Yeah. It's like, you know, if you
0: clean up your house because someone's going to come over and then they cancel and they don't come over, your house is
1: still really clean. (laughs) Yeah. Exactly. You still benefited from that. <laughs> yeah, and I, and I think that in some ways is the is kind of the cool part of this because I think the lesson from it applies regardless of I guess audience or reach or whatever that it isn't necessarily that you, like I imagine, you know, whatever Blackbird has 217 stars right now and 13 people watching it, which is, I don't know if that's a big number. It's, it's a number. I have no idea. Uh, but even it's like, <laughs> if those numbers were like zero for all of, for both of those, it's like, okay, the person who wrote it is still getting that benefit. And it's like, that's what I'm running into with like my design notes blog it's like, I'm getting a lot of benefit from it. Like I have no idea if it's. I haven't. You know, it seems like maybe like a handful of people have been reading it, which is cool, I suppose, and it's useful sometimes to get some feedback. But it's just the interesting part of this is the value. Yeah, it's like you and I can ha- sort of own the va- that value and take a, t- take control of it, regardless of whether it actually. Goes big, or if, like Blackbird becomes the you know the the foundation of you know a huge amounts of Swift apps going forward, and all this stuff like cool that could be nice, uh, like but it's also doesn't really matter. Like you're getting a lot of value for Overcast and for your own development and for learning things and being you know the, the, that improvement you are you own and are in control of, which is just kind of cool.
0: To me, like that's the value here. It even if I never got a single comment or request or issue report or star or you know special wings or whatever else i, I have no idea how much this stuff works I don't, yeah. I don't usually do a lot of stuff on github besides like just a git host you know um but you know how whatever works like i'm getting a huge amount of value out of out of having done this in public and this is why and i think you know going back to to what you've been doing with design notes that has to be helping you as well in in the sense that you you're making these decisions and it probably doesn't it probably has some at some level feels like you have to justify your decisions because you are then writing down like you are taking screenshots and you're saying here i I tried this i'm here's the problem i'm trying to solve here's different ways i tried to solve it i kind of don't like this this didn't really work this one i like here's why and i'm going to proceed with that you know and and to me like that's you know when when i have blogged things and maybe i should be doing more of that um you know, I, I, I found similar value in just trying to write down my idea requires me to solidify my ideas and, and to often, oftentimes I would write a blog post and I get halfway through and realize, wait a minute, my argument here makes no sense. <laughs> and then I'd like either cancel it or totally rewrite it with a whole different point of view. And that helped clarify my thoughts in the same way. like You are clarifying your design decisions by being forced to actually write them down and explain them. You are you are going through a very similar process of like you know have having having to actually think through them in a more comprehensive way than you normally would.
1: Yeah, no, exactly, and I think it's it's yeah, mean I can say for for sure it's been really interesting to do that to just like. I imagine in a large organization, this is, you'd have a design review process, right? You would like, I would, a designer would come up with something and you'd sit down and everyone would sit around a conference table and you'd walk through it. And it's like, you'd have a level of critique. And I'm in some ways creating that for myself, that I'm cr- being a critic of my own work because I have to, you know, be, I'm documenting it's the thought process that went into it. And there's a certain amount of, um, yeah, it's like accountability and review internally that that you know that that creates, and it, I think it's been yeah very incredibly helpful as a result that there is something. Yeah, it's just it's just a different thing if you think if you, if you have to explain why something is better than something else, like it's I think a little bit it's been helpful that it slightly slows down the process and like it gives me a little bit of – I have to be a little bit more methodical. Like it's not really slowing me down dramatically, but it's like I'm taking – every time I stop because I have an interesting design, take a screenshot of it, write down like two sentences about it. It's – that slight pause I think has actually been super helpful in the same way that I think – makes me think of when – I'm dealing with a coding problem and I am struggling with it. I'm struggling with it. I'm struggling with it. I, you know, get up, go downstairs, make a cup of coffee or go take a shower, or you know, go for a walk with my wife or whatever that looks like. And just spend, you know, a small period of time away from the problem. And I come back to it and I'm, I know the answer, you know, it it solves itself. It's and I think so much of that is it's so easy being just one person with no real inputs to interrupt or distract me to just keep bearing down on a problem until I get to wherever that ends up, rather than making, you know, taking three steps forward, taking a step back, looking around, making sure we're going in the right direction, go three steps forward, take a step back, look around like that. A e- sort of incremental process is so helpful as i found so far to be really thoughtful and make sure that I'm not going down dead ends that I'm just not seeing because I'm looking at the ground in front of me rather than up ahead of where I'm going.
0: Yeah. That's a really good way to look at it.
1: Yeah. And I mean, it's like, I hope these things are helpful too. Like it's, it's, I mean, it's one of those funny things where so many of these things that I, I'm like, I'm writing about are like little tools or little processes that I've used that, It's like, I imagine they would be helpful to other people. Like I, yesterday I was writing about how I've found that reminders is like the world's best way to capture like little issues with your apps because you can take a screenshot, you can, you know, mark it, mark it up with a pen to say what the issue is and attach it to a reminder instantly syncs to your Mac. And it's like, that was something that I just like discovered over time works really well. And it's like wrote about it. But otherwise if I didn't have a a venue to talk about it, that, like that would just be a thing that I knew that hopefully they, that's sort of like that no one else would know unless they discovered it themselves. And so like there is something cool, kind of fun to be able to, you know, to to, to share our expertise uh, in a way that maybe benefit you know may may additionally have benefit to anyone else. Like even if that benefit didn't exist, we get our benefit. But it's also kind of cool that it may have that knock on effect outside of ourselves.
0: Yeah, you actually taught me about reminders. Like first of all, I didn't know you could attach screenshots to reminders. Second of all, I didn't know that you could create custom lists. Like, I just thought that the like the four big square buttons and reminders, those were the four lists and that was it. And I never even saw that right below that is a thing called My Lists. <laughs> and you can yeah. add to that and you can customize. And then you also pointed out that you can set one as your default view, which I also would never have thought to look for or ask about. So you've now like, it, yeah, I think there's, there's a lot of value in publicizing what you do in some way because... You know, it, it, even just if somebody can pick up some little detail of how you work, or how you write code, or how you design, or whatever it is, you know, you you give off like one little remark somewhere, and that could really help somebody. Like you know, we can all think back to. Things that we have seen or read, or you know, people who have said something to us uh, that like this one thing stuck with us for years afterwards, and we're like, oh my god, that's that's an amazing idea, or this one thing like changes the way you think about a, a certain kind of problem, or changes the way you deal with a certain uh, problem in your life or challenge or workflow, and so any you know the effort of sharing, you know, it, it might feel like. That, you know, not a lot of people are listening or watching or maybe you don't think you have anything to offer that hasn't already been said. But trust me, like we all do. Everyone has something to offer. And, you know, don't don't assume that what you're saying is something everyone already knows. Um, because it's not and there's always little details like that that I pick up whenever I read stuff um you know even even just simple posts on twitter people write um all the way to like different blog posts and of course people like Paul Hudson who I have to commend Paul for basically being like the documentation for all of Swift and Swift UI because Apple won't write any So good, good sure. job Paul um his documentation is amazing and has helped me tons along the way and literally every time I look something up like every time I google some problem I I land on oftentimes his site or at least some site or some blog post or some stack overflow post even where I will learn something in almost all of those and and it's sometimes it is just like a little aside or like one little sentence buried in the corner oh well you know by the way as you know bob you know this and i'm like wait a minute i didn't know that like (laughs) and so all that stuff is very very helpful so i strongly encourage everyone like you know share your knowledge publicize publicize your work write blog posts write stack overflow answers you know whatever it is uh because that helps people It, it helps people a lot and oftentimes in ways you might not expect
1: yeah. And, and it's this funny like tension where it's like on the one hand, selfishly, I want everyone else to share what they do. Like, I love it when people share. It's super <laughs> helpful for me. And selfishly, I want that. And I think hopefully a little bit of the theme of today's episode is understand that that is selfish for yourself as well, because you benefit just by the process of putting that out there. You get a lot of benefit. And it's like, it's one of these like, it's a win win, like you get that benefit, regardless of if anyone gets benefit from it. And more, more likely than not, other people are going to benefit from it, which is just like double awesome.
0: Yeah. Well, thanks, everybody, for listening. Thanks for sharing all your knowledge out there. And we will talk to you in two weeks.
1: Bye.